I'm sitting in the subway station. Manhattan is my destination. On that dirty train, each day I live is much the same, and I think, what can I gain living in this endless game? Homeward bound, I wish I was. Homeward bound, home to Jerusalem, home where my heart is lying, home where my destiny waits silently. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Homeward Bound, the show about moving to Israel. And my name is Egal Siegel, and I'm back, thank God, at home here in Israel. And I can tell you that uh, experiencing the weather in New York this past weekend, it is really nice to be back in Israel. 80-degree weather, beautiful. Of course, we could use some rain. But just walking out of the airport and coming home to Jerusalem was a great experience for me this morning. Um, before I introduce our guest for today's show, just want to mention to you again any information you need about Nefesh Benefesh, anyone who's coming to America to speak about Aliyah is on the website at nbn.org.il. Uh, you can reach anybody from the staff through the website. The website has all the information you need. Uh, hopefully next week we'll have some more information about a special program that Nefesh Benefesh just instituted this year called the Bonate Sion Prize. Um, it's in five different categories. It's very interesting. We hope to have someone on the air next week speaking about how people can apply for that uh, for that prize and if you can um, nominate somebody else. Um, so stay tuned next week for that show. In the meantime, uh, it's my very, very, very immense pleasure <laughs> to welcome to Homeward Bound um, a very special person in my life personally, but a very special person in general, uh, Dr. Peter Ablo, the Associate Director of Keshet, which is the Center for e Educational Tourism of Israel. Um, any information you want about Keshet, you can find out at keshetisrael.co.il. That's K-E-S-H-E-T Israel at .co.il. Dr. Peter Ablo, welcome to Homeward Bound. Thank you, Yigal. Really nice to be here with you. Now, the reason I asked Dr. Abel to join us today um, is because we were having a discussion about celebrating holidays here in, in, in Israel, and one of the ideas that came up was that if you celebrate, let's say, of course, Hanukkah is starting tomorrow night, and if you celebrate Hanukkah anywhere else in the world, of course, it's a special holiday, you light the menorah, you have the dreidel, you have all the special things about Hanukkah that, uh, that are connected to the holiday, but living in Israel, experiencing it in Israel, you have the opportunity to experience it in a whole different level. And I asked Peter to come on with us today to discuss how we can experience Hanukkah in Israel on a deeper level in terms of what we have here now, today, that we can see which connects us to the time of Hanukkah. And before we go into that, though, I would like to ask um, Peter to introduce himself to the audience in terms of what he does with Keshet, what Keshet is all about, and uh, and just uh, tell us a little about what Keshet does here in Israel. Well, thank you, Yigal. Again, first of all, it is such a real pleasure <laughs> to be here with you and with your listening audience. We've uh, actually been in Israel over 20 years. We made Aliyah in the summer of 1990, right. and Baruch Hashem, have seen our children who came with us, of course. Some of them were teenagers, including those who you know. That's right. Um, actually, you were in school the day that our daughter Ilana was born, 
uh, and I ran, dropped everything and ran uh, with Debbie to the to the hospital. Ilana now lives here in Efrat, mother of seven, Baruch Hashem, wow. and uh, we were thrilled to be here. Um, so Keshet, uh, I, I'm really privileged to have made two major moves in Israel. Number one, having come out of a, the world of formal education in America, um, I decided to move into the world of informal education. I was always in love with the tour guides whenever I led trips, be it school trips, or I did a number of trips for Lincoln Square Synagogue, where I was on the adult education staff. And the, the passion for Israel, is, in addition to the historical knowledge that the tour guides had, always enamored me and attracted me. And when I got here, I enrolled in the tour guide course, was surprised they accepted someone in their 40s at the time. I was surprised that I actually passed the course <laughs> because it was a fairly serious and rigorous course. It's a very difficult course. It's extremely difficult. The only comparable experience that I had was preparing for the bar exam back in the 1960s in New York, actually wow. the early 70s. It was that intense. Um, and that really opened up the door to a whole new career of, um, of inform what I call Jewish, informal Jewish education and the potential of making Israel come alive as a, um, um, as, a, as a living classroom for Judaism. So uh, who are Keshet's clientele? Is it families? Is it uh, more formal in terms of groups? Is it uh, uh, educational institutions? Who are the... Uh... So the answer is all of the above. Okay. Um, we began with a staff of three of us back in the late 1990s. As you've seen, we now have, we just have our 50th person on our full-time yeah. staff. It's Baruch Hashem, quite an operation already. Uh, we work primarily in America with synagogue groups across the entire religious spectrum. Um, in the conservative and reform worlds, uh, the, the, we do uh, bar bat mitzvah programs, which I really want to emphasize, by the way, because it's something that we, we felt we wanted to get into a few years ago. There are bar bat mitzvah programs in Israel, but most of them are fun in the sun right. and don't have real tachlis substance. And we discovered that people, even who are unaffiliated, are really looking for something to connect them and their children. 100%. And yeah. in some cases, their grandchildren. It's the grandparents who are bringing their grandchildren for a Jewish experience, suddenly realizing 40 years too late that they missed something along the way. Mm -hmm. um, so it's turned out to be one of our most successful initiatives. And now we are um, actually running, I think, five programs in 2014 of between 20 and 30 people each which are bar wow. bat mitzvah programs here in Israel for primarily non-affiliated. Uh, we have a European department which started a number of years ago which now reaches out into um, South America. So we've begun to call it the international department. That's primarily non-Jewish groups mm -hmm. reaching out to the non-Jewish world. We don't have a lot of non-Jewish groups from America but we do have some now that have begun to come with us. Okay, and that's, uh, uh, so that's great. So that's, uh, again, any information that anyone wants about Keshet Israel, the website is keshetisrael.co.il. You can send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at keshetisrael.co.il. Um, let's get into the Hanukkah story. Um, I think most of our listeners probably are familiar with the Hanukkah story. It's something which is very familiar, the miracle of the eight days that the uh, that the one... Um, that the one uh, jar of oil lasted uh, that was supposed to last for one day lasted for eight days the miracle of the Maccabees uh, fighting against the Greeks and winning a war which they should not have won based on the numbers uh, Rabim Biyad Ma'atim is the, uh, the Hebrew for the, uh, the, the many were, in the, uh, were, were given over to the hands of the few so the story is something we recognize the question is Dr. Ablo in, in Israel today uh, we know of certain 
areas that are, are familiar to a lot of our listeners. For example, the city of Modian, the city of Modian, which is becoming very, very popular um, and is one of the fastest growing cities, I believe, in the world. Uh, anytime I drive by there, which is uh, basically from the airport, uh, when I go for, would go for a visit, <coughs> excuse me, there's always construction going on there. Modian has a place in the Hanukkah story. Um, and also, of course, there's uh, around the Modin area, there's a place called Makabim, uh, Makabim Reyud, I think it's called, and there's also a place called Chashmonaim, which is the, uh, um, which is also connected to the Hanukkah story. The question is, uh, are those places, those modern day places, are they um, still, is there a connection between those named places and the original places that, uh, that the uh, Hanukkah story took place? Are there other areas of Israel where we can see a connection to, to the Hanukkah story? Tell us a little about what the connection is in terms of what we can see today. For sure. I'm also going to take interviewee's prerogative to one, for one <laughs> second and add a sentence onto the previous discussion that I, I think what characterizes us is what also characterizes the way the school that you went to understood education. And that's back then, I used to say we were, we're, we're teaching children, we're teaching students, not subjects. Right. And we in the touring business in Israel see the same thing. That we're, we're guiding people, not places. Uh, because places come alive in different ways right. for different people. Um, the Hanukkah time in Israel is a phenomenal time because the whole land connects with the land of Israel. Um, first of all, before I get to your specific question, as you well know, certainly a city like Yerushalayim, but, but many other cities as well, the decorations, you know what, especially for those up who grew, in America, grew up, up in America, and we know the typical decorations in the store windows this season of the year, right. and we know the songs that are played all over the airwaves, except for JM and the AM, of course, <laughs> um, in America at this time of year. And you go down a street in Israel, I drive between here and Efrat, and already the last couple of days the Hanukkiyot right. have gone up as the decorations on the light posts. And you walk by downtown Yerushalayim and the windows of Hanukkah displays. And you turn on any radio station and there's a very fair mix of Hanukkah music. And you're simply aware of Hanukkah in the air. You can't underestimate the incredible difference that is. I never understood the power of the Chagim until I actually lived through the cycle of them in Israel. and I have the privilege now of living every year, may have Yesrim, right. through that. Um, and there are many, many sites. The Modi'in region, for one, of course, is, at least according to tradition, the place where the, where the revolt began. Right. And so, um, in that region, there are specific sites. Uh, Mitzpeh Modi'in, which is a Karlbach-type uh, yeshuv, not far from Modi'in, has remnants, archaeological remnants, going back uh, a few thousand years. Um, one of the popular sites is Beit Kuvrin. A lot of people enjoy going to the archaeological dig. Right, now Beit Kuvrin, just, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Beit Kuvrin is not in the Modin area. It's, it's closer not. to Beit Shemesh, which right. is, I guess, around 20, ah. 20 kilometers away. Right, so let me jump back to Modin for a second. Right, okay. Thank you for putting me back on focus on that one. Um, along the road, not far from Modin, are graves which have been identified, although archaeologists differ, as the Kivrei Hamakabim, okay. that graves that go back certainly to the Maccabean period. Latrun is a military base today. It's a the national tank base, um, but figured rather heavily in the um, in the Hanukkah story. And with Tanakh in hand, you can not only relive the story of Joshua because that's Emek alone 
but also Sefer HaMakabim talks about key battles in the Maccabean victory that took place specifically in that region. So although you don't see anything physically, you are there. Right. And, and the right kind of uh, guide who can bring that uh, make it alive for you suddenly sen you sense that, wow, I'm standing where these things happened. Right. Um, but of course the Modi'in region is only one place. The whole country comes alive with Hanukkah activities. Many schools are on vacation during Hanukkah. Uh, we go to school during other holidays where America goes you know, is on vacation, including New Year's Day, because we have a, our own New Year's, as of course you, you well know. Hanukkah is a vacation time. Right, so Israelis take to the roads. Right. And, and literally all over the country there are um, sites, especially those that are geared towards children, that have special activities related to Hanukkah themes. Right. Now, uh, we were, you mentioned before Beit Guvrin has a connection to the Hanukkah story, what, what do you see? Beit Guvrin, first of all, for the, for the listeners who are not familiar, Beit Guvrin is in the, the Beit Shemesh area, which is not far from Odeon, but it's not exactly, it's, uh, if anyone's familiar with the roads, the Highway 1, which is the main road from Yerushalayim towards Tel Aviv, uh, kind of on one side is the, the Modian region, on the other side is the Beit Shemesh region. So on the Beit Shemesh side is Beit Guvrin, which I believe is towards Beersheba, right? It's after Beit Shemesh towards Beersheba. So what exactly about Beit Guvrin connects us to the Hanukkah story? Uh, Beit Guvrin is the site of a program where individuals can participate in an actual archaeological dig. Okay. The period into which they are digging at Beit Guvrin is the period of the Maccabees. Wow. So that anything that people find if they're participating in the, in the dig at Beit Guvrin is from sometime in the first and second centuries BCE. It's actually during the period of, Yo of uh, Yohanan Hercules, which is after the Maccabean victory, right. but it's known as the Hashmonean period or the Hellenistic period. And uh, you know, frequently at Beit Guvrin, everybody finds pottery. Right. Um, and it, it's not uncommon where people will go there and they'll take home nine pottery shards and make a Hanukkiah. By the way, we don't call it menorah, you know that. <laughs> menorah was the seven-branch um, vessel that stood in the Beit HaMikdash. Right. The Hanukkiah is the nine-branch vessel, utensil that we like for Hanukkah. Candelabra. Candelabra, <laughs> right. And in Israel, we tend to be fairly uh, um, careful about that distinction. So, um, Beikuvrin, so, so is it because they've gotten through the rest of the periods of time that now we're, now we're going? Or that's, that was a center of, 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 of activity, I guess you'd call it, in the time of the Maccabin? It, that's a great question. One of the reasons that it's a, a site in which groups can come in and randomly dig, because the entire site is from that one time period, for reasons I won't go into. Okay. And so, unlike most archaeological sites, where there's a question of being very careful about different strata, Right. And not digging too far and using little brushes. To right, exactly. In, in Beit Guvrin, you are digging into one time period, oh, which is the period of the Hashmonaim. Well, I can say, I, from my own personal experience and taking my family there, it's definitely, if you're visiting Israel, no matter what time of, what period of the time it is of the, of the year, Beit Guvrin is definitely a great place to go, especially with kids, to experience this. I mean, there are other areas also where you can be involved in actual digging, but Beit Guvrin is a, is a very, is a family-friendly area. Um, also, I think they have uh, an oil, is a uh, like a press or something like that, that the, an olive uh, olive press, or something? am I right about that? Uh, there are quite a few because the area was a major oil production area, and so is there it possible that the oil that we were looking for in the time of Hanukkah is was supposed to come from Beit Guvrin, Doctor Abel? Not likely, <laughs> because the residents were primarily um, Edomites. Okay, and actually, it's a rather interesting story. Although it's from the period of the Maccabees. 
Um, the Edomites were challenged by, and why am I blank on this, Yochanan Hyrcanus, who attempted, gave them the choice of converting to Judaism or abandoning their city. Okay. And most chose to abandon the city and destroy it. So the oil that was being produced there was definitely not for the Beit HaMikdash. Oh, okay. There are other presses in the region, though, where they are fairly certain because of particular archaeological uh, uh, particularities that the oil being produced there might well have been at least the the first uh, um, the, the the first drops of oil right. might well have gone to Yerushalayim for the Beit Hamikdash. Yeah. So that, yeah, uh, and that's another activity. By the way, it's a very popular activity during Hanukkah to go to an oil factory, right? And and um, participate in actual crushing of the olives and producing of the oil and relating to the to the whole. And that you have in, in many. I'm sorry to interrupt. That many different parts of the uh, of the country. All over that. the country, even up north. I remember we, you and I, went on a trip up north around 13 years ago, if you remember. And we went to a, a place where they produced oil uh, Absolutely. at least in that time period. In the Golan, Katsrin, in the right. Galil, there are places, in the Shomron, um, in Yerushalayim, um, at, at probably at Naot Kedumim, and at a place called Ein Ya'el, which is just outside Yerushalayim. I would bet they have olive oil activities, particularly geared towards children, right. during this period. For those of you, uh, Nahum wants... Um, um, visited Naot Kedumim and he spoke about what he saw there which was uh, that they have a lot of different Sukkot there that are built uh, according to what the Mishnah says about different Sukkot that are kosher and pasal that are, are valid and invalid so it's a very fascinating place to go to it's also a great place to visit no matter what time of year um, okay so going back to the to the uh, to the Modian region for a second so for those of us who are familiar with the story, so this the the whole Matisyahu Matityahu lived in that in, in that region. Do we have any the heroes of the story? We know the name of Matityahu. We know Yehuda Hamakabi, of course, is the the most famous of the Maccabees. Um, do we have any specific uh, sites today that connect us to these famous people in the Hanukkah story? To the best of my knowledge, unfortunately, not. Okay. <laughs> but still, in terms of, like, for example, the graves of the Maccabin that you said, or that, that is where exactly? That is outside Modian? That's it's on the same road that you referred to earlier, on the way back from the airport. Right. Going to the airport, just beyond Modian, on the right side of the road, there's a brown sign. Saying That's Highway 443. Exactly. Okay, and and that is that what's called Makabim Rayut, or that's before that's before my, um, uh, it's, I think that's before Modi. Well, coming heading east, heading westward towards the airport, it's after the main entrance to Makabim, uh, to to Modi Inn, right? And after Makabim Rayut, and I'm pretty sure it's after Tzomet Shilat, which is the main entrance to Hashmonaim. Right. Within a kilometer or two, a mile or two after that, on the right hand side are the Kivrei HaMakabim. Now Hashmonaim, which uh, again is, a, is, is, uh, is not a huge city, but it's, uh, it's definitely a lot bigger than it used to be. Um, and a lot of Anglos uh, live there. It, does that have any connection? Is there any archaeological, uh, or it just uh, happens to be named that way because it's, it's in the region of the, of the Hanukkah story? I, I think that's it. I think that, you know, <coughs> as we began to develop more I'm going to use the word in its most generic sense, settlements for right, Jews, right, right. in the region of Modi'in, they took on the names that were significant to the period of the Maccabean Revolt. The Maccabim, Hashmonaim, uh, Maccabim Reut, Modi'in. Um, and so, although I, I do not believe there's any specific finds from that time period in any of these places, the names give the region the significant connection uh -huh. to that 
you know, critical period which we now celebrate, of course. Right, so, so like, for example, in, in, um, in Beit Guvrin or other areas where we know that we're finding things from the Maccabee period, what, what is it about the finds in, the, in those areas that, that give us clues that it's, uh, it's coming from that period of time? Is there any way of... Uh, ah, so, so we know historically. First of all, um, you're, you're taking us into a question of archaeology right now right. and the techniques that archaeologists use to date particular finds and particular periods. Uh, we know histor historically um, when the Edomites were kicked out. We know from other techniques such as carbon dating, style of the pottery, um, the... Uh, um, well, that's primarily right. it. That that is without any question taking us back into the period of the first and second century BCE. If we figure the Maccabean revolt is around 165 BCE, that's squarely right in the period that we're talking about. So this, I, I have never heard that disputed. That at that point okay. we are digging into the time of the Maccabees. Well, I, I un unless there's something, uh, is there is there any other place that you want to touch on in terms of? I mean, throughout the country, not necessarily in this in these regions that we're touching on now. That uh, might show us some sort of connection to the Hanukkah story, at least the, the period of time of Hanukkah. So, rather than answer your question specifically, I'm going to give a general answer. Okay. Today, we are living in a time of incredible resources. Um, the easiest way to find out what's going on all over the country is simply go onto the internet and just type in a couple of keywords, and things will pop up by the dozens of activities related to the Hanukkah story that are happening just about everywhere all over the country. Right. Um, the Jerusalem Post this weekend for the English-speaking audience, I am sure will have, if not a specific section, certainly a, uh, a number of pages dedicated to activities in the Jerusalem area as well as the rest of the country right. that are relevant to this time period. Yeah, that goes uh, without saying, I'm sorry to interrupt again, but uh, that goes without saying that we've seen at least in my eight years here, living here in Israel, that uh, around Hanukkah time, um, there are activities all over the country that connect us to the Hanukkah story. It doesn't necessarily have to be these specific regions where we find archaeological um, um, findings of that period, but it could be anywhere in the country. We, we, we definitely connect more to the Hanukkah story than we would outside of Israel. 100%. <laughs> okay, that's, which is really the point of this, and the idea is that when you have a holiday, which of course happens in Israel, there's no, there's no better way to experience it than being here firsthand and being able to show your kids, to show everyone in your family, the, 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 the tremendous resources we have educationally and experientially that we can feel the, like you mentioned before, feeling the, the spirit of the holiday is something that we can accomplish here in Israel much more than we can accomplish anywhere else in the world. I, I think it's very true. And I would even venture to say, and. Uh, you know, I speak for myself. I don't know how many others would agree with the statement, although I, I would have a hunch that there'd be fairly wide consensus on what I'm about to say, that those of us in Israel and who appreciate the miracle of modern Israel, that sense of the ancient coming alive in modern times and the things that you alluded to in Al-Hanisim, the special addition to the to the bracha of uh, Modim in uh, at Hanukkah resonate in a very different way because we listen. You know, we're a minority in, in a vast sea of enemies that outnumber us, um, and and uh, again, all the different categories that Allah Nissim lists as being part of the miracle of, of, of the Hanukkah story are to a great extent paralleled in modern times with the birth and continued existence of the modern state of Israel. And certainly those of us in the religious world, if we only could look at that and, and see, I mean, I see the hand of God in history and, and feel being here at this time that I'm reliving Hanukkah in many ways.
I hear you, Doctor. Well, this has been great. And this is uh, um, the reason I asked Peter Abelow. I'm sure people have now understand why I wanted Peter Abelow to be the person to talk to us about Hanukkah and about what we can see here in Israel about Hanukkah because there is no better educator in my life, there's no question, there's no better edu- educator than Peter Abelow. And I'm sure that anyone who has any questions, um, Nachman, I mentioned on the air last week, Doc, that, uh, that a lot of people are going to be coming to um, to Israel this year specifically for Hanukkah because it coincides with Thanksgiving so people have a well, Thanksgiving weekend and if anyone has any questions in terms of where they could possibly uh, find out more about the specific uh, areas that, that I spoke about with Dr. Abel during this session or in general you can email info at keshetisrael.co.il if you'd like you can um, also email me yigal y-i-g-a-l at nahumsegel.com. That's um, oh, or you could email Peter P E T E R at keshetisrael.co.il. Any one of those three email addresses would be glad to help you. And of course, as Dr. Abel mentioned, the internet is a great resource. Uh, just put in Hanukkah Israel, probably, and you can find find a, a tremendous amount of uh, programs, activities. Um, but there's no question if you're coming here with your family, I think that the best place to go to to really experience the, the Hanukkah story, which is very centrally located in the country, is Beit Guvrin. It's a, it's a, and especially, thank God, it looks like um, people who are coming from the States, right, people who are coming from the States uh, uh, are going to be experiencing some nice weather to, uh, this week. So they have the opportunity to visit Beit Guvrin, which is past Beit Shemesh, and of course, as Dr. Abel mentioned before, in Jerusalem itself, there are going to be a tremendous amount of uh, Hanukkah events. If you're staying in Jerusalem, you will have no lack of uh, opportunity to experience Hanukkah on many different levels in Jerusalem. Again, check out the internet. If you want to email us, you can do that. Or you can uh, check out the Jerusalem Post, as Dr. Abel mentioned. There's plenty of resources that you can, uh, that you can take advantage of. I want to thank Dr. Peter Abel. Can I add one, just a caveat, yes. though? <laughs> Keep in mind, as I said earlier, Israelis are on vacation this week. We don't have a lot of school vacations to do things with our children, in our case with our children and grandchildren. So the roads will be crowded, sites will be crowded, and God willing, if the weather's like it is today, I, I haven't seen forecasts for the next few days, but uh, we were having just absolutely spectacular weather and so um, just take that into consideration. That, well, there's uh, no question that I think that's part of the experience, though, Doc. Absolutely. You know, spending, spending time with the family, you know? It's even, the extended family. Even the <laughs> zoo will have Hanukkah activities. That's correct, right. I'm, yeah, go the to biblical the, zoo in Jerusalem. Kids, take your little kids to the Jerusalem biblical zoo. There'll be Hanukkah activities. The Children's Wing of the Israel Museum, Hanukkah activities. Right, exactly. The, Israel, uh, the, the, the David Citadel Museum, Hanukkah activities. The dig over at Emek Tzurim, where they're digging into the rubble from the second temple, from the uh, Temple Mount, from Harabaya. Where is Amik Turim? It's on the eastern side of the old city. Right, at, okay. At the foot of Harad Zetim, Harad Sofim. Right, right, right. Um, a dig in the material was dumped there by the Waqf illegally about 10 years ago. Right. There'll be Hanukkah activities taking place there all over the place. Almost any place you go to will have their have redesigned their normal activities to put a Hanukkah flavor into them. Okay. I appreciate it, Dr. A- Peter Abelow from Keshet Israel. Thank you very much for your time. We hope we have an opportunity again to speak to you in the future about other holidays and other types of programs that we can uh, talk about together. Uh, this has been Yigal Siegel for Homeward Bound. 
Again, uh, nbn.org.il is your address to find out any information. If you're interested in making Aliyah, you're thinking about making Aliyah, you want to start thinking about making Aliyah, that's the address for you. Nefesh Benefesh is there to help you. 8664-ALIYAH, 866-4-A-L-I-Y-A-H is by phone. Um, the, the representatives of Nefesh Benefesh are standing by to help you. And I want to thank Dr. Abelow again. A final word from Dr. Abel? It's not a final word. It's a final action. I'm giving Yigal a hug. It is so <laughs> nice to see you and be with you. And thank you, Yigal. <laughs> thank you, Zach. It's a pleasure. This is Yigal Siegel for Homeward Bound. Have a great Hanukkah, everybody, and a great week. And we'll see you next week here on Homeward Bound. Every day is an endless stream of disappointment, broken dreams. Day looks the same to me Assembly lines and factories And every stranger's face I see Reminds me that I long to be Homeward bound I wish I was Homeward bound Home to Yerushalayim Home where my heart is lying Destiny waits silently for me Tonight I'll sing sad songs again Lament this world of pretend But all my words come back to me This life of mediocrity Like emptiness in harmony I need Hashem to comfort me I wish I was homeward bound Home to Yerushalayim Home where my heart is lying Home where my destiny waits silently